Welcome back to the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Trevor Everett. This is a new edition of Draft Chat uh, here and joined today by Darian Thomas. We'll get to him in just a second. Um, looking forward to talking about, we're going to talk about the Hornets today. Um, obviously, Josh is no longer here to talk about the Hornets, so I've got to still make sure I get my Hornets love uh, out there. But um, very peculiar position for them, obviously, being a potential top four team in the lottery as we're recording this on Thursday, February 2nd. You won't hear this until the following Friday, whatever date that is. I don't have it in front of me. Um, being very clear about that, if something happens or time-sensitive changes, we will – disclaimer, it's on the screen right now. You're hearing it, et cetera. Um, don't forget to check out twopointerswenergy.com. Uh, uh, link in the description below for 10% off your first order. All right, let's talk to Darian here. I haven't had him on since uh, I believe it was Trivia Showdown, which was months ago in the summertime. Um, first of all, before we get started, obviously, for those who don't know, um, obviously, you do Trust the Buzz, which is your YouTube channel, as well as now, the thing that caught my interest, of course, knowing that you do like this stuff, is Draft Nerds, which is uh, obviously yes. why we're here. We want to talk about it. Tie all your things together. Um, before you introduce yourself, I just want you to be clear. This is also a well, just a wellness check. I know. I, the tweets concern me. You seem like you're not <laughs> in a good place with the Hornets. So, oh, honestly, man. for those that don't know, if you want to follow, everything for him will be on the screen as well as, well as below. Um, please follow Darian. Please keep, you know, keep him in your thoughts and prayers with how the Hornets, <laughs> you know, are acting right now. But hopefully we're here to talk about the future and the things that will be better based oh. on some guys that you like in those positions. So, enough of my talking. First of all, how are you? Introduce yourself to my listeners that might not know who you are. Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. My name is Darian. Um, I run Trust the Buzz, um, as Trevor mentioned. And then also I do uh, Draft Nerds. I randomly started that channel just because actually uh, with the Hornets being bad my entire life, I really got into the draft growing up in North Carolina. Of course, college basketball is everything. So I was like, hey, I'll do a draft channel. I, I know a lot of things about the draft. And I noticed that a lot of people, I guess, in the space I kind of work in, which is YouTube, typically don't know about the draft. Like, they'll, they'll say it. They're like, hey, I don't watch college basketball. And I'm like, as someone who watches a lot of college basketball, let me go ahead and, you know, share my thoughts. So I started that. And then uh, also I just complained a lot on Twitter about the Hornets. So, you know, so that, that's about it. That's about it for me. I love it. Um, that's the exciting part about what we're talking about is you're kind of you're kind of bridging the the old with the new here. It's like okay, we're tired of this 15 and 37 team with a unfortunate uh, 0.288 uh, winning percentage. That's not the point. We're, what's really neat is they have we're going to simulate in just a second for those that are not familiar with the title or the format or how mock drafts work. Mm-hmm. We're not doing a full mock, unfortunately. We're just doing the five picks that the Charlotte Hornets have. We're I'm just a minute. I'm going to simulate the tankathon. You can do it once per day. You can do it as many times as you want, whatever it is. You can simulate it and see what they get. Um, they currently have a projected top four pick. They also have the 29th pick from Denver, the 46th pick from Utah, the 49th pick from Dallas, and the 52nd pick from Miami. So, got a lot of good things to talk about. We'll basically get the chance to talk about, obviously, one of the top four prospects at some point. And I kind of want to go through like where they would have fallen if they don't get it, um, just mm-hmm. to make sure that we – I can't go – six months in this draft cycle and not talk about Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Anderson. I feel like I just haven't talked about them because I don't right. feel like I need to. We'll talk about <laughs> that. So um, obviously four, 29, 46, 49, and 52. The obvious is you're hoping for one. I'm assuming yes, before I hit hoping this button. for one for sure. Okay. Well, for those who don't know, tankathon.com for the fun of this, kicking this episode off, getting started, I am going to go ahead and hit sim lottery. And that's what we're going to oh. talk about um, right now. Obviously it has Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, and Charlotte, Locked together there at the top four, just outside Orlando, Toronto, 
Um, it would be Chicago's pick going to Orlando, mm-hmm. Indiana, uh, L.A. going to New Orleans, and then Oklahoma City at 10, Washington at 11, Portland at 12, New Orleans to Lakers again at 13, and then 14. <laughs> so there are your uh, – at Utah. So there are your lottery teams. We're going to sim and see what happens. Take a thought. I love how they added the little spin wheel graphic. Yeah, I like that. I like that feature. All right. So, um, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's not. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not what I wanted for content's sake. But I'm going to read it from 14.1. It'll be quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah State at 14. New Orleans, uh, Los Angeles pick 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portland is 12. Washington 11. Oklahoma City 10. Uh, Lakers Pelicans pick at nine. And this is where things change. Chicago fell yep. one spot to or, or Chicago Orlando fell to eight. Toronto fell one to seven. Orlando fell one to six. So a lot of changing that sounds good to you. Yeah. Except for when you realize San Antonio fell two spots to five, so they were the five fall in there. Uh, and then, unfortunately, in Indiana went up five places. Of course. <laughs> and Charlotte fell at the fourth pick. Indiana got the third pick, five spots ahead. Houston at two and Detroit at one. So processing that, if that is what happens April something draft lottery wise, mm-hmm. what is your what would be your initial reaction? I'll be upset. Uh, it's very Charlotte Hornets-esque to not get in there. I mean, I will say that we did have a good jump with LaMelo. We weren't supposed to get LaMelo. Um, we weren't supposed to get a third pick overall, and nor were we supposed to get LaMelo because everybody thought that for sure someone would, you know, LaMelo was going to go second, and he ended up not. Uh, so that was probably our good luck. And to be honest, since I've been a Charlotte Hornets fan my whole life, that's probably where it ends. It's probably going to be another 10 years where we get something to, to, you know, go our way, especially in the draft. Thunder fans thought the same way. And then that was like, I saw all these videos from watch parties in the OKC last year when they got two, and it was just nuts <laughs> to see um, just the kind of like buy-in there. Obviously their, their strategy is a lot different, um, right. but understood that whoever however it happens let's jump into this because obviously victor mm-hmm. Wimbenyama, i don't think detroit for the sake of regardless of who cares about the log jam at guard it doesn't matter to me scoot henderson would yeah. probably not be the number one overall pick especially to detroit uh houston whatever right we're just going to assume that those two go let's just make this fun at that sure. point you know I, and i'm so sick of this every year it's the draft starts when after at after three. two or three yeah it's like <laughs> it's like oh my god i'm sick of hearing it well this year, it really does mean that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, Indiana, I don't want to sit here and say, like, Indiana, let's just say Indiana takes this person. But for mm-hmm. the fun of what I told you before we started, in case you wanted to keep my big board handy, we're going to assume that they take Cam Whitmore because I want to make it consistent Ooh, and easy, okay. right? That's who I right. have at three. That's who I've had at three most of this process so far. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a February 1st. This is kind of an informal. The, my big board will have been out two weeks at that point. <laughs> people hear this for transparency. But regardless, Cam Whitmore is going to go number three. After that, you've got a plethora of choices here. You are Mitch, Mitch Kupchak. Who are you taking at number four right here? And then let's uh, discuss I'm it. looking. Oh, man. Uh, so one thing you better think about is this is where you start building around LaMelo uh, because I know that sounds crazy, but if you if you look at a lot of the transactions, even, the, even um, what they've done in the draft, nothing has been to compliment specifically LaMelo. It's been how can we make this team better? And it just so happened it hasn't worked out. But like drafting James Book Knight, that wasn't a good complimentary piece to LaMelo outside of even before, you know, what's going on now. Uh, Kai Jones was kind of a fit, but still what Kai Jones did, when he was so raw, that still wasn't a good fit. Uh, Mark Williams, I like I love Mark Williams. He's been playing very well. I loved him coming out of Duke. I do, at the time, I thought he was a better prospect than Jalen Duran. Still kind of do, 
Um, I think it's just more so he's just not playing. Uh, but Jalen Durham was a better fit because the way he runs the floor, he's that big body center that's very extremely athletic. Not saying Mark Williams isn't, but Jalen Durham was more so like the lob type. And that's we know that's what Lamella goes for. Uh, and then Bryce McGowan's, that was actually a good fit to me um, for to be next to Lamello. He was supposed to be a first round pick. I'm glad they got him in the second round. Saying all that, like I said, you, this is where you have to build around Lamello. And I say you get him some shooting. This team has not had a true shooter um, at all, in my opinion. They've had people that can shoot, but there's a difference between a shooter and someone that can shoot. Um, and I think this is where you personally have to get Brandon Miller. I think I'm going with Brandon Miller right here. Now you could ask, like, okay, what about Jalen McDaniels? What about PJ Washington? Because they they're not none of they're not the same player, but they play the same position, kind of in that weird like I wouldn't say necessarily a a wing, but also not a big man. So there's it's like that weird kind of space. But you just have to. Uh, he's a he's a terrific scorer. We don't have many scores. Like Terry Rozier is a scorer, but he's more of a I guess what I would say, he's more of a streaky guy. Uh, he get, I mean, he can get to the basket. He can catch and shoot, but he's he's still a little streaky. Brandon Miller is a guy who, no matter where you put him, he's going to – one thing he's going to do is score. And I know a lot of people have been talking about his defense, but his defense actually isn't that bad. Uh, I think that a lot of it is that he is a freshman, and he's a very talented freshman, and that kind of shows when freshmen are more so just trying to get, get in and get out. That I feel like that's kind of where he's at. The team just so happens to be good, so that works out. But you have to go Brandon Miller here. Uh, I'm not worried about his defense at all. I know that the team as a whole needs more defense, but you can't – I was really stuck maybe going between a Min Thompson or a Sword Thompson, but they need the ball too much. Uh, and that's not – I mean, that's, that's how they play. They've gotten to where they are because of how they play, not knocking them for that. But you need someone that can catch and shoot. And Brandon Miller can do that, but he also can take over when – LaMelo can't get the ball when he get, you know starts getting denied the ball or it's just the play not for him. The Charlotte Hornets don't have anybody that can really go get it themselves. I mean, without chucking up shots. Terry Rozier can, but he 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 kind of reverts back to, you know, shot chucking. So does Kelly Oubre. And, and also these guys might not even be here for that long. So I personally, I know that was a long-winded answer, but I'm trying to cover all my bases so no one's like, why would he? I'm going Brandon Miller. Uh, just simply for the reason that he can shoot but also, I mean, he's a pretty good rebounder. The team doesn't still have that center, even though Mark Williams, I love him, but they still don't have that center. They still don't have that guy to get all the boards, so they still do a lot of team rebounding, so he can do that because P.J. and Jalen McDaniels don't rebound that well considering they're like the power forward. So you got Brandon Miller. I'm not saying he's this world-amazing world Dennis Rodman on the boards, but he does get boards from that uh, power forward position. So that's what I have to go with. He can spot up. Um, he can create his own shot. I know people kind of get on to him because of they say he can't create his own shot, but he can. I, I've seen it enough to where he – I mean, I'm not mad at it. So that's what I would take it for. I like it. I was so glad you did it, and I actually really thought that's what you were probably going to do. So don't yeah. worry. Long winter tonight, I love it. I think that's great context. It's good information on Brendan Miller. Um, I'm not – let me not say this. Let me let me say it like this. I was going to hold your feet to the fire regardless whether you said Brendan Miller or not. So you mentioned team fit. I think all of that stuff was great. It's all things that are really mm -hmm. important, and people kind of – I think people who think about the draft from a – you just always got to take the best player available mentality, mm -hmm. which sometimes is okay. But mm -hmm. I also think I'm with you. I think at this point you have to build around either not just necessarily a team fit. Cause some teams do need to draft by team fit, but in your For case, sure. it's a great, it's a great point draft around your best player, which is it's similar to team fit, but you're drafting mm -hmm. about how you can build for LaMelo. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's really hard for like a guy like Trey young. It's like, 
how can you draft and build your team around a guy? You have to change your whole mentality if that's your best player. Lamelo's right. a little bit. He, you can like, especially the way this three point shooting has been this year. You you can figure mm-hmm. that out, right? Like he is a sure. piece that is flexible. Mm-hmm. However, what I'm gonna, what I'm going to hold you to, or what I want to talk about, kind of create that dialogue. I like you brought up Amen and Asar. The one mm-hmm. guy you didn't bring up, because obviously Cam Whitmore's off the board, whatever. I imagine an athletic mm-hmm. slasher that has a really good upside. I, like, I really George like Sight, Cam Whitmore. I know. Mm-hmm. And that was why I wanted to just pluck him off and just make <laughs> it interesting and basically force you to really start the draft, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm re- I'm actually really glad they got four, and here's why. Jarris Walker doesn't need the ball. And I want to talk about why Jarris <sighs> Walker wouldn't be. You know, a guy in that similar mm-hmm. position, uh, Brandon Miller is obviously going to be. I have their current age on my um, big board. Mm-hmm. A little bit easier for me to kind of keep up with it than their draft age. But Jarris Walker is 19. He will be 19 when the season starts, so nothing big mm-hmm. there. Not that, it, you know, I'm not an ageist by any means, but uh, Brandon Miller just turned 20. So they're in that same range. Mm-hmm. Why not Jarris Walker at four? Jarris Walker, I really wanted to have him at four. One, I think that's a little, just a little too high. Two, he still needs some help figuring out what he really does he's 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 good at a lot of things but not great at one thing um he also needs help i say help but it's just development he's he's young uh he just needs a little more development in certain areas and it's not really a knock on him it's more so uh, i sound really negative but it's more so a knock on the hornets i have no yeah i have no faith whatsoever and them taking a person, a player that just needs needs that extra bump to figure out what he does. Like Brandon Miller, he knows he wants to be a scorer. That there's no doubt in his mind. That's what he does. That's what he's good at. Jerez Walker, I wouldn't be surprised if you tell me that this guy ends up being. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm trying to because it's really hard to compare players because everybody's like, "What? I don't see it." But I'm just. I basically I wouldn't be surprised. If he's just a multi-tool guy where. Uh, let's just use Scotty Barnes for an example because that's the most I think that's the top of my head. If he's just a Scotty uh, Scotty Barnes type player where he does a little bit of everything very well but not nothing elite, I wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, he will have a very successful career. I 100% believe that. I love what I see from him at Houston. It's just that it does take a little refining. It does also part of it is that he can't to as of right now he can't be your second best player and right now i feel like the hornets have to go for their second best player if if you see a guy that can possibly be a second best player this is the jump you take now if you're if they were like uh let's say let's just say orlando even though i don't he wouldn't fit there but let's just say orlando if they were Orlando, it would be a little different because they have so many pieces around him that would really help him shine hornets don't have that it's lamello and that's, I mean, that's honestly it. You, I mean, you can say Bryce McGowan's if you want. And we're talking future sake here because you could still have Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and things. But it's just, he's he's just a really good complimentary piece where you're when it's time to pay him, when that time comes for him, he's going to get paid. Teams are going to want him. But teams are also going to know that's not your first or second best player. Maybe, maybe not even talent-wise your third. But he's that guy where if you don't have him on your team, you're going to struggle. You, like you're you're gonna you're gonna be missing that piece. So that's kind of what I get from him. I could be very wrong because, like I said, he right now shows that he can do a lot. So eventually, he may just take off and just be an excellent scorer or just an excellent defender. So as of right now, though, he seems like a, just a multi-tool guy. And the Hornets really desperately need someone that can just come in and just hopefully be this, at least the second best player. 
Because like there's no there's no room for it uh, as far as just what they've done in the past. They have they're in a position to swing for the fences, which is why I don't disagree with the pick like Amen or Asar mm-hmm. or even Brandon Miller. Yes, I am not the highest on him, and I'll to explain it because I wanted to be clear why I brought up Jairus Walker. Mm-hmm. I don't think any team like you meant you made a perfect point. Like even the Hornets, any team can use Jairus Walker. That's the best right. part about it. He's so versatile, athletic, switcher. You know, offensively, I'm still trying to figure out some things, but I have him at four, and I think that's valuable because I think what he brings NBA-wise, and I think that's the beauty of philosophy. I think mm-hmm. people need to realize, like, you're not always going to get – there's people all the time in the draft community that, you you know, you're not always going to get uh, – and I can't sit here and pull my, you know, every draft class ever out of my butt and be like, <laughs> right. this is a guy they draft – someone drafted at four, and he turned out to be mm-hmm. a 13-year NBA pro but was never an all-star. It's like – Sometimes that's more valuable, right? Now, is it more no, valuable for sure. the Hornets? That's a great point. I think Brandon Miller is going to provide things, but the difference for me and why I think, and I do like them as similar players, I think in that range, you know, Amen and Asar are both those, you know, six seven guard right. slash wings. Keontae George, six four guard slash mm-hmm. wing, depending on the height. Um, and then for me, it's, okay, Brandon Miller is only an inch taller than, than, than Jairus Walker. They offer mm-hmm. me similar things offensively. However, I do like when Jairus Walker doesn't need the ball, he's going to impact in other ways, right? Being more 100%. active, setting more screens, moving without the ball better. You know, I just overall, I, I think that's where I have to draw my NBA value line. I have a tier mm-hmm. in my ranking, my spreadsheet that says NBA ability or role, where if none of the glaring weakness and glaring strengths mattered, mm-hmm. what are they absolutely going to be for me? Whether it be this year when they get drafted or for the next 15 years in the NBA and Jairus Walker's, uh, defensive disruptor was the first thing that came to my mind, and that's what I put I down, agree. which I think is really, really important. And it's not necessarily taken away from what the Hornets need. It's just being clear that he's going to fit anywhere, and I think he would be unbelievable there, and I am a believer in the shot coming around. I don't mm-hmm. want people to sit here and overreact to the fact that I have Brandon Miller 8. That is a lot higher than he was on version 1 a month ago, okay? <laughs> being completely clear with you. He was, 8 is... Eight it's is, low. It's low. It's low. January one, it was. And that was right. January was right when he started really okay. taking off. So right, January, right. January one, I had him in like I think he was fifteen or fourteen. So like lottery, right? Like still lottery. Right. You know, still like, lottery let's not let's sure. not let's not overreact. And right? also, you got to keep in mind this is a very talented draft class. So it is it, exactly. Know, so so taking that consideration, I want people to understand that I am not knocking Brandon Miller, but I'm knocking the fact that Jarris Walker does more for me I when he doesn't have the ball. And if Lamelo, who's a not a not a historically high usage player, but he's going to have the ball in his hands on bad teams. Yeah. That is what it is. You mm-hmm. want a guy that's going to be impactful in a lot of different ways. And obviously, I think there's a culture thing where, but Jairus Walker is just going to be a great culture fit and be the defender, the the guy that always does the dirty work. And right. I think that's valuable, and I think that he would be valuable there. Which, by the way, I'm agreeing with you, Brendan Miller. If he's available at four, whether I think he's eight or twelve or forty. <laughs> I think he's the best pick. I just want to be clear. I'm glad you said it, but I wanted to have the dialogue about Jairus Walker. No, you know, Amen. Jairus Walker is kind of the other one, obviously. Yeah, Jairus Walker definitely deserves some. Like a lot of people, I don't. It's really weird. A lot of people, especially with college basketball, if someone isn't just this, I don't know, like they take over the team type player in college, people assume they're not going to be good in the pros, or they're not going to be like worth a top pick, and it's just like. One thing you got to understand about college basketball is a lot of these offenses and a lot of the ways these teams play, they've been doing it for 10, 15 years. Like, that's just how they do it. So, and the, the example I love to use, and it might be overused, but it's so true. Look at Kentucky. If you look at a lot of players that came out of Kentucky, like, I remember, what, was Isaiah Briscoe, who was really, like, decent at Kentucky and then never heard from him again. So, and, but then you have guys like uh, Devin, Devin Booker came off the bench. 
So Never then it's just like a single game in college. My favorite. Exactly. Fact in the NBA. And he ended up he ended up being obviously amazing. So in college basketball, to a, to a detriment almost. These a lot of coaches don't use their player to the full extent. But there's a lot of there's a lot of different nuances in college when you're coaching too. So that's something you got to think about. But yeah, I, a guy just because he doesn't put up amazing stats doesn't mean he's not going to be good. And so I'm glad you brought up Jerry Walker because. I do feel like he's going to be really good. Or in another quick example, Florida State, just in general, they they're none of the guys they put uh, produced did much in college. But then you got Jonathan Isaac, who was really good before he got injured. Scotty Barnes, I think uh, Patrick Williams went there. Who he's still coming along, but he's shown flashes. So it's just you got to look at college in a different light. And I think a lot of times people are so used to watching the NBA that when they look at college, they're like, oh, well, he's not taking over and you get you get what you get, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it like uh, Zion struggled against what was it Bowl Bowl and against U- UCF. I mean, I, I okay struggled for Zion. That, that, I will say that's a different case, but struggled for Zion. And obviously, Zion's amazing. And Bowl Bowl is not even in the league. Not Bowl Bowl. Uh, what's his name? Taco Fall. Taco that's Fall. what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Taco Fall and Taco Fall is not even in the league. So these are just different things you got to think about. So Jairus Walker. It's more so the Hornets than him, if, to be honest. To complete. Now, if this was last year's team, 100%, I'm probably going someone with a little that could do a little more. Uh, but considering this, this is not last year's team and the future is really up in the air right now, I have to go with someone that I know that can uh, score and just can be a reliable player. So answer me this before I transition out of college for a second. If Cam yeah. Whitmore was available at four, in this situation, would you absolutely mm-hmm. be taking him no matter what? For sure. I'll, okay. I'm 100% taking Dan Whitmore. Good. I'm with you. I, I feel I, like he's again. a good mixture. That's why I plucked two. him. Exactly. He is. That's why I yeah. plucked him. I was like, look, let's make this easy. Let's let's get the guy that – I had a feeling I've seen some of your stuff. I think you like the guy has, you know, more than mm-hmm. most. And I'm with you at three. The, the part I want to finish the fourth pick with is – and then we can hit the 29, 40s of the world, obviously, because I think those guys are important. Mm-hmm. Amen or Asar? Is that an easy answer for you or why? Like, let's just talk about the Thompson twins for a second anyway. Regardless okay. of what question I, I, I love them. The, the thing is uh, just, I don't know. The Mellow's in this weird spot where he can play without, like this year he's showing he could play without the ball a lot. Um, but then it's just like, uh, I don't know how well they could play without the ball because obviously they play with the ball all the time. And I've seen, I've seen flashes, especially uh, uh, Amen. Like he, he's really a really good slasher. Uh, but it's just it's just weird. It's it's more so. It's just I had to go with the to me what feels like a more of a sure thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I love them both. And I personally, I think Os, I would say Osar is better. Osar, really? I think he's better because okay. I he has to me he's shown the more he's shown more progression in his game. And I, I mean he's still really good. And he and I'm not saying he's a stick in the mud, but. I think Osar has shown that just every time you see him, he's better. He's doing something new. He's doing something different. And that, to me, is it's more of a projection thing. But also, he can shoot a little better, too. Uh, and that's something you got to think about. And, and the thing is, they're not – their numbers are horrible shooting, but it's not like you look at their shot and it's like, oh, that's broken. Or I mean, a lot of times it just doesn't go in. It's going to take some time. Uh, that's it's yeah. The point I like to make with them, and I haven't talked about them a lot publicly, at least on Draft Chat, but – Mm-hmm. The point I want to make with them that I think people are, and I'm not an ageist, I want to be clear by any means, they just turned 20, literally mm-hmm. just turned 20 on the 30th of January. So 
they're on the other side of 19, right? So that's you know, <laughs> something you got to think about when you join the NBA and you're ni- 19 sure. is like the perfect number because you, you're just old enough. You played that one year in college, whatever, at least for me. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you are giving Amen, so this is more for Amen more than anything. If you are not giving him the ball, which mm-hmm. if LaMelo is on your team, you're not giving Amen the ball. <laughs> no. I'm just going to say it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, other teams, whatever. But if you're giving Amen the ball, then you know what you, you know what you want out of him. If you're mm-hmm. not giving him the ball as where, and that's why I agree with you on the Osar strides, is I think Osar would maybe fit a little bit better, and I can see how things are coming around. Like I said, I'm, I'm not in love with either of their jump shots by any means. Right. But what I am in love with is how they can impact the game, even though I don't think we're going to get to see that if they're on the Hornets, because I think you're just going to hand mm-hmm. them all the ball, and they're going to be almost an auxiliary playmaker at that point, or an auxiliary sure. scorer, or whatever. And it's, and it's not a knock to them or the play style of the team. It's mm-hmm. I wish that, like, if these guys were standouts in every capacity and whatever, right? Obviously, they'd be number one, number two picks here. But mm-hmm. the point is, is there are reasons that they are not the third, fourth, fifth potential best player in this class, sure. which is why I'm kind of not a believer in Amen's jump shot. I am a believer in Osar's. I know that's a huge mm-hmm. thing to say out loud already, but I think there's some things that are there mechanically for either of them. So I guess my point is, is, coming together here is I don't know if that is the perfect fit for them. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's the perfect fit for the Hornets either because of the impact it would have on the next four years of your development. For sure. And for That's them cool. specifically, them two specifically, I feel like they, whatever team they go to, they need a little more freedom And the Hornets are really bad word. at giving young players freedom. freedom. They're, for, they're, they're hard enough to get on the floor, young, young players. Cause I always knock the Hornets for, I, I, so uh, one thing is like, they're really big on, hey, you had to earn this position, right? But one thing I think I said in my latest video is you're drafting players who have never seen the Hornets be decent. Like, they maybe once, I think, yeah, so like, what, 2000, whatever year that was when they played the Heat. I'm not good at trivia, as most people probably already know. <laughs> but that that year was probably the only year they've been decent. So you're drafting players who have never seen this team decent. So imagine being a young player, you're getting drafted to this team, you're probably better, you know, more than a lot of the guys on the roster. And they're like, hey, you have to earn this spot over. I mean, I love Jalen McGaines, but Jalen McGaines or Cody Martin. They're like, why? Why Why would I why would I need to prove myself over Cody Martin? And I know it's like to build culture, but it's like at one point, if you're the Hornets, you got to self-reflect and be like, hey, we need to put people on the court and just see see what they can do. So players like the Twins, I just it just wouldn't fit just because I feel like they do need that freedom. Uh, I know, like, uh, Benedict Mather, like, if he started, he I don't think he would be what he is because I a lot what works for him is that he's come he gets to come off the bench and Rick Carl's like, do whatever you want, and I promise you, like, you'll be okay. And it also helps that he's a really amazing player, but I feel like if he was a starter, it wouldn't work out as, as, as well as it has. The fact that he's had that freedom to come off the bench and just really show what he can do, that's helped him. I feel like the twins are in that position. I also feel like Keontae George is in that position, too. I know we haven't talked about him. But I think he's another one where you have to get the keys. And so with starting next to LaMelo, not going to work. Also, this might be a hot take. I'm also not a big fan of overtime elite. That's one thing that also holds me back is. So at first I was like, oh, it's just another league. And so, you know, where players can play fine. But then I've watched a lot of games and I'm like, no, they're really good, but it makes it worse considering no one else is doing what they're even close to what they're doing uh most a majority of the time when they're when they're playing other teams so 
I give them a slight knock for that, but you can tell that they're talented. It's not like one of those situations where you're watching them play and then it's just like, oh, they're just playing against some guys. I'm, I'm just not the, big, the biggest fan. You can tell they're talented, but I would rather see them have went to college or even the G League. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, a, that's my little thing about overtime elite. I don't really like it that much, to be honest with you. I will say production, separating production value aside, because I'm with you <laughs> watching those games. I want to watch them on mute and honestly watch them with one eye sometimes. But it, it, setting that aside, I will say from talking to people, and that's one thing I'm a lot more keen now on and trying mm-hmm. to be, especially with this uncertainty we have. I wasn't high on the G League when it first kind of started being important right, to, to sure. the developmental process. Um, mm-hmm. And now I'm completely back around on that, <laughs> to be clear. But I will say from people that I know that I have not been there yet. I am hopefully fingers crossed next year. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be working on some stuff with them. So we'll see what happens. But regardless, I am really looking forward to seeing how it happens and develops with them. I do believe in Kevin Ali, the head of the coaching and uh, development there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a national champion at UConn. So a lot of, you know, as a mm-hmm. coach, but the point I want to make is I w- I'm with you. I was there for the whole experience. Like I, I just was like, I'm out. Like this is not for me, especially mm-hmm. last year with how it went with Barlow um, and whoever the other guy was um, mm-hmm. that didn't get drafted now. Um, it's He's leaving me now. But regardless, um, I have talked to people that have been there. I trust their opinion, and they said that seeing it in person and seeing how these guys are developed as professionals, mm-hmm. as men, honestly, um, and just understanding as uh, of, the bas- of basketball on and off the floor, I'm starting to be a little bit more in. Now, obviously, okay. it's a huge change because they're going from two guys that were probably already fringe seconds anyway last year mm-hmm. to two guys that have talent that should be top 10 picks. Big right. difference, right? I'd like to see it next year and then the year after. You're mm-hmm. Rob Dillingham's of the world. I don't want to jump into 24 that, too that's, early. That's a, yeah. but it's a great, it's a great like, segue to be like, okay, yeah, he's probably going to be considered a top 10 pick, but mm-hmm. maybe not because next year's class is really, really talented. So we're, we're going to see where he kind of falls in that range. And I think it's... I hate to say it, the, the chapter's not written yet, but I'm with you. I think I'm, I have my reservations, and I hope that yeah. I hope that I get to a point where I do like it even more. Um, obviously, right. if we see these two guys succeed, then we'll have some we'll have some way to tie it back to their development. For but sure. obviously, they've been in that system for a year now, and or two full years now, technically. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it's I think the single handedly one of the reasons that high school basketball hasn't been the, the next path for people because I think right. we're seeing that there are good alternatives and I hope that they are end up being one of them right and I think it's a great idea for sure like it's, it's definitely a great idea but I, like you said the production makes it hard to watch uh then it's just on top of that you watch two you're really watching at this point for two guys and then maybe some other guys will catch your eye but it, it's just weird I guess is the best way to put it is that because you it's obvious that they're talented it's just more so I would like to see them being just more meaningful but i guess it will it will gain that as they progress as the as the league as a whole progresses and the games will seem a little more meaningful okay what do they look like in clutch moments you know what i mean things like that where it doesn't seem that meaningful right now but it's, it's still really early in the process so yeah they played um well amen and Oscar specifically played uh in the big three or not the big three cheese always get it mixed up the tbt last year uh covered mm-hmm. that game after it happened and it was really neat to see them play against quote-unquote grown men even though a lot of them were you know guys that played at the i think they played against the creighton team that ended up making yeah. the championship or win it the tbt but uh you know those are those creighton guys are no slouches even though they're in their 30s and 40s so that's a little bit different right <laughs> yeah. um, but it's good to see them in other environments which is why um hopefully we get a chance maybe there's some kind of t- 
tournament play later in the year that I'm not aware of right now, or maybe it hasn't <laughs> happened or been right. scheduled yet. I just hope I get to see one more professional environment for them that's not overtime elite. For sure. I want to ask one more question before we get into the 20s and 40s where I think the draft is a lot more fun because Mm -hmm. I think this draft, I'm just, I haven't hidden this. This is something I've said now for a while, but I don't think this draft is as good as people are saying it is. So I think that is not a discredit to anybody at the top. It's just, I think for me, there are less guys I'm in love with, which I think Mm -hmm. in a normal draft is like the whole first round. I'm like, okay, I like every guy in the first (laughs) round. That's why they're there. I was telling uh, telling uh, Chuck from Chuck and Darts a few weeks ago, I said, I really like the top 16 I have written down at the time. And he's, he asked a great question. He goes, well, who's 17? And then so mm-hmm. we talked about like the next teardrop for that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But anybody else in the top five or ten, obviously the Hornets could get anywhere in that range, right? They can obviously – Victor Wembanyama, mm-hmm. Scoot Henderson, Kim Whitmore, already, like I said, we plucked him off there. Um, Jairus, we talked about. Amen, Osar, Brandon Miller. Really the guys that are left there that are kind of consensus, they're probably going to end up being top ten picks. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Keontae George already. Is there anybody, and Gigi Jackson was the other one I was getting at. I have some oh, other guys geez. valued a little bit higher than most, but what anybody else in the top ten that you maybe are just super sold on or super high on, not necessarily for the Hornets, but you know, in this case, right. if, they get, if they get anywhere, because the farthest they would fall is five, if I'm remembering okay. how that correctly okay. works now. Um, right. If they fall in that top four and they, they fall out, they would only fall to five. I think it's five or six, but either mm-hmm. way. Anybody else in that top ten that you're just like, you'd be over the moon if they got... Outside oh, of the ones man. I've already named, is there somebody that you're like, if you posted a big board tomorrow, is there somebody in the top 10 that we would be like, wow, okay? If no, then we're uh, good. Keontae George is it. We can move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would probably be Keontae George. I still, for, and this is very Hornets related, like the reason, but I still actually like Grady Dick. I know he's nice. more of like a, like a 13, 14 type guy. But if it was in last year's I, draft where you had five picks in the 14s, it felt like you had five first round picks that were right. in like the 13, 14 range. Um, yeah, if you, like, had, if you had that, like that him. would be perfect. Yeah, I like him just because it's more so the shooting. Like I said, yeah. I, I just he can shoot. That's that's the one thing he can do is shoot. Um, and then other guys, there's guys I like, they just don't fit. Uh, okay. But Jet Howard, I like how he's nice. Okay, I just like how he's came a long way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, like I remember at the beginning of the season. People are like, oh, it's just uh, it's just you know, because of his dad, and it's like, no, he's actually good. Yeah. And uh, so I'm actually surprised it took this long for him to go up, but like, I like, I think a lot of people like to write him off. Um, Bryce Sensabaugh is another one who nice. I really, really like. I really, really like this game, and I, re- I remember at the beginning of the year, I was like, why is this guy like late, like late first round or early second in some in some cases? It didn't make any sense. So now I'm glad that he's he's going up there. He's still not a top ten guy, but he's just guys in that little range. Well, that's Anthony perfect. Black is another one too okay. that I really, I actually like. Um, nice. I just like that he he's I like he can do a lot. I also like he's able to run an offense at such a young age, but he seems like he knows what he's doing. He still makes like young player mistakes, young guard mistakes, but he see you can tell he sees the game differently. Uh, I remember at the beginning of the year I was watching him in the tournament in the like the Maui Invitational. Maui, movie, that and was there was just yeah. a lot of plays he was just making that. It's like wow, this guy is really making NBA level plays, and we're at that point what five, six games into the season. So, he was being forced to score too. People saw the scoring output right. and they didn't understand that like he's not. That's not he what doesn't. He, does. he doesn't want. And he was dropping twenty five two games in a row. And it's like and he doesn't even want to. Like right. that's not his game at all. If you watched him in, in high school, that was not his game. He was bu- just bodying up people on defense and just doing some passes on. Like that was his game. But he was just so efficient at it. That's why he, I think he you know got the hype he did. But he did not want to. He's not. Uh, adaptability. Go, he's, not 
right. super, Definitely super adaptability. Um, that was a really good segue, but not Anthony Black. Grady Dick was what I was going to say, and probably <laughs> Sensible. Those were great segues because you do have the 29th overall pick unless okay. it's moved, right? That's obviously the beauty of the lottery mm-hmm. is after 14 picks, the those picks are set unless they are moved, right? So right. no no stress there, right? You just got to worry about where that one fun one in envelope happens in April so mm-hmm. um, or May, I guess, whenever they moved it this year. But at the end of the day, I do like a lot of the things with Anthony Black. I think there's a good conversation there. Um, mm-hmm. there's a really cool rabbit hole about how, like we, you mentioned like, uh, you know, the way those Maui games went, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I will say he was basically forced to score in those positions he was, and, he, and he, was. he put up the stats that you would expect him to at that mm-hmm. point. So the 29th overall pick you have, obviously this is where subjective Ville USA starts happening, right? This is where, <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to give you context and we can kind of play with it. Mm-hmm. Um, guys that I have anywhere in the 25 to 35 range right now, as of February 1st, cause I only do this once a month. Uh, mm-hmm. I have Bryson Spot 25, which is why I wanted to bring this up. So I'm glad you said it. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got that, you know. And I think at this point, people are having fun with the lottery where lottery means anybody from 25 to 14 because any Basically, of those guys can yeah. be lottery picks, right? Mm-hmm. So Bryson Spot 25, Jalen Clark 26, Coleman Hawkins of Illinois 27, Trace Jackson Davis 28, uh, Ran Repair 29, Azulas Tubelis, a guy that I am 100% higher on than consensus, and I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> Uh, Kalel Ware, Noah Clowney, Ricky Council, Jalen Slauson, and Colby Jones. So do not pick any of those guys unless you want to. But just giving you a context of where I have some guys. So if you bring mm-hmm. somebody up, we'll discuss it. If you, I want you to say, doesn't have. I don't honestly. I would love it if it'd be somebody other than those five uh, or ten. But who would be the Darian Thomas, Mitch Kupchak, perfect pick at twenty nine? If you had the choice, I'm looking. Uh, yeah, who you got? Here. I hope so I hope you is, pick someone else. That's why I was like, I'm just giving you context in case you say mm-hmm. it. So when I tell you that I have that guy at 48, you're like, right. okay, let's discuss this. So who would you, you, the whole point is who would you pick in this position? Because you are the GM now. I'll Not give you one who you have earlier than that than the 25 to 35 range, but I, I would hope it's mainly I'm hoping this guy would fall. Okay, and that's Deron Holmes. Okay, I really really like Deron Holmes, and you can you can also mention a lot of things that we talked about with Jairus Walker you can kind of see in Deron Holmes in a, in a way. Um, I actually really like his game. I think he'll be a good fit for the Hornets. Um, I think that – I think he's a really good player, and I think that a lot of people don't – I don't know. I can't say it's because he went to Dayton because we've – Dayton, outside of, like, NBA talent, has been a good team. So there's not really much you can say about that. Um, he's definitely not the defensive player that Jairus Walker is, but he has the build to be – the a, a better defensive player and i, I mean and especially with the, this kind of range right here in this area of the draft that's what you're drafting on you're drafting on just uh potential and but he's shown that he can do a lot uh i mean he's averaging what two was it two blocks a game eight rebounds 17.7 points a game he's he's a really good player in my opinion he also isn't that that uh weird where he's not a wing but he's also not a big man role um but I mean, I also would like to have maybe someone that isn't uh, that's more so of a guard because I think the Hornets need that, especially if we're just basing off of the Hornets getting um, Brandon Miller earlier. So another one I would do, and I'm and I'm glad you put this because I haven't seen him enough, but Jalen Hood-Safano, Safino, I really, really like his game. I wasn't actually familiar with him until uh, UNC went to Indiana and played him and lost. I was very sad about that, but – he was really good that game. He played very well, and I've just been following closely ever since, and I, I really like his game. He's someone that I could see kind of fit next to LaMelo. He does need the ball. I mean, that that's kind of his game. But I feel like it's not I, – I feel like he can play without the ball. 
because they do have another guard there. His name is his name is Xavier Del Johnson. Bono. He just went down yeah. though, so he's kind of for, the Hojefino's forced into a odd lead guard role, unfortunately. Right. Um, some so, would say that's a better thing, and I would be one of those. Some yeah. I do think that was better for uh, for JHS, but um, nothing. You know, prayers to Xavier Johnson if he comes back for their tournament run. But my point right. is, I think he was thrusted into a role that he absolutely needed to be in because mm-hmm. if that kid's on any other team that puts him in any other better position, he's he's going to be, you know, considered in the lottery faster than he was this year. 100%. And the point that I like that you made about the fit with Lamelo or fit in general as a second guard is that it really does depend on how much you believe in the shot. I am less mm-hmm. a believer than most, but I want to be clear that he can be other things than be a lead guard. I want him to be a lead guard in the NBA. I want him to be Anthony Black. I want him to be that Mm -hmm. type of player. However, if he gets drafted in that 20-something range, you could go anywhere at that point. You could go to Denver, and then you're, you know, at that point, you have no (laughs) idea what, you have no idea what you're going to get with the ball because you have Jokic. But, you know, you could go somewhere like that, and I think he'd be okay still. Um, I think he's going to have to be really, really impactful in other ways, but he's so good with the ball in his hands, which is why Mm -hmm. I put, I, I do have him labeled as a reliable combo guard, but like, Mm-hmm. Every time I watch him, I go, well, he controls the tempo so well as a lead guard that why would he I does. want him to be a combo guard? So I'm kind of mm-hmm. almost contradicting myself. I love that you brought him up. He was one of the three players I used in the graphic for the big board uh, for the riser faller. Oh, really? um, yeah, because I really do. Like, I didn't have him in the – I only did a top 30 January 1st. So, I, you know, the last 30 days I've sat down and really grinded out the second round and tried to get that mm-hmm. right, but uh, or at least get that down on paper. So he would have probably been just outside of the first round at the time. I didn't have him ranked, obviously, because I didn't do that publicly. But long story short, I do really like that you brought him up because I think he's going to get some weird buzz, no pun intended, um, in that late lottery range, and I think it's deserved. But I think I'm seeing a really big variance for him where there's a lot of people I trust that are like, man, I just there's too many things, and I have him in the 30s, and I'm like, 30s? I think he's better. I think he's better than that. I think, I think he's he shown too. that he can be better than that. He will be better than that. I'm not now the lottery. I could see if people say that's too rich for my blood. Like I get it. The but, game they just had against Maryland though, he was horrible. Most of that yeah. team was horrible, but it was. Yeah. That was kind of one of those games where you kind of are going to take out. If you're taking out the worst game and you're taking out the best game, that was a really that's a really bad game. You had to really <laughs> throw that one out. I mean, he I think he was he had yeah. two points. He was like one for fourteen from the field. I mean, it was it was bad. Um, was so really I'm not discrediting bad. him in any way. I just think it's there's a lot of things that he needs to figure out when he doesn't have the ball. Right. I, but um, I, I think that like specifically for the Hornets, I just feel like that's why he would be such a good pickup is because there are times Lamelo we all know is really bad at getting into foul trouble. This is your guy you go to as opposed to Terry Rozier who Terry Rozier can play make. He can be a lead guard. That's not what he does though. That's not what he's good at. Like last year, one of that was one of the better Terry Rozier seasons. And if you look at the numbers, he was uh, strictly off, the ball guard he was a catch and shoot guy mainly if you look at the statistics and so that's not what he needs to be in we don't have a true backup because then you put in Dennis Smith Jr. who can't score and then you got Taylor Maldon who's on a I love Dennis Smith Jr. but he, he can't score good defender can't score and then Taylor Maldon's on a two-way so those are things you got to think about who is that guy you wouldn't want your guy to be behind LaMelo to be another starter but we know that LaMelo gets in that foul trouble. What do you do to compensate for that? Get That's a guy a that really, can actually run the run I the love court. that. I love that way you, when you, I hadn't, I'm trying to figure out a way to articulate my own words. <laughs> Whenever you initially pitched him, I was like, mm, you know, I think he'd fit a lot more places. But then when you put it like that, obviously that is taking into consideration. You don't think LaMelo is just going to turn into this all NBA defender tomorrow. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's going to take some time. That was like, mm-hmm. I think I had messaged you that 
um, whenever we were talking about draft yeah, chat and trying to get, or that. trying to get something uh, lined up for trivia showdown. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, I went to that Nuggets game on the twenty eighth last year, and I just couldn't believe. Like I haven't seen him in person much. I, mm-hmm. I think that was the second time or first time. Um, defensively, like I just I don't think he's bad, but my God, like I would look up and the guy would be fifteen feet past him already. Like and trying to like <laughs> he's very reach. instinctual. Yeah, like, I'm like good grief. Like I don't know. Uh, one thing I say that makes people mad because anytime you say anything bad about Lamelo, it's whatever. But you have to be uh, constructive. It's okay. He's very in, he's very instinctive. He knows what he needs to do. He just he's doesn't not doing it. I, I wouldn't say he doesn't do it because that sounds like he's choosing not to. I don't think he understands exactly what he what exactly how to position himself. I think he understands what to do. I think he's very he's very good at like like mid dribble, so he'll take the ball from somebody. If you know he plays the passing lanes very well, but I don't think he quite knows how to position himself. He knows he needs to position himself. He knows that you know, okay, I probably should turn this way, but he just I, I think I don't know if he's second guessing himself, but he does it a little late, and then at that point he's reaching, and then also he doesn't run back when people get past him. So these are things that kind of where. I got at the guy like JHS. I think it would help. He's not no all time defender either, but I feel like it's a, he's a little more an actual defender as opposed to an instinctual defender where he just plays defense. He doesn't really think too much about it. He's just going to, his job is I'm going to try to stay in front of this guy as best as I can. And I don't think LaMelo does that. I think he's, how can I make the big play? And a lot of times he does, you know, he's, he's not by locking up somebody, but it's, it's by, you know, tipping the ball or something. Uh, but I think JHS is a better okay. At least I just need to stay in front of the guy, and this is and that's what I'm trying to do. Lamelo is not more so that way, so that, that's kind of how I feel about that. I'm gonna give you three names that aren't guards that we're gonna play around with for a minute before we get into the okay. face. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm gonna give you Coleman Hawkins, Trace Jackson Davis, and Noah Clowney. Three guys that I think would fit the Hornets perfectly from day one. Right. I have them 27, 28, and 32. So really, just the same place, right? Mm-hmm. Which of those three right now would you would you draft? I think in that position at twenty nine, I think you're better off with a big like that that could stretch right. the floor. I think you're better off with those guys than you might be with a Jalen Hoshfino, who's probably gone at that point. I'm going Noah Clowney. I like um, it. That's what I thought you would do. I, I, I like really, it. really like Noah Clowney. Uh, I feel like he doesn't because of Brandon Miller. He doesn't get like the the love he deserves. Oh, I, I feel yeah, like he's 20, getting it now. Twenty seven yeah, percent from like three doesn't. Getting. 27% from three doesn't help his case, but I'm with you. I Yes. <laughs> right. Can shoot, um, but it hasn't happened yet, which is why I right. think his potential is really untapped. Yeah. And then he also, he can be a lob threat. He's a, he's a pretty good defender in my opinion. Um, I think that I, in, in a way, I wouldn't say he's the complete defensive anchor, but yeah, I mean, he kind of, he yeah. kind of plays that role yes. to the, for, for the, the most part. Um, so I, I really like his game. I do think sometimes he can disappear uh, as far as, well, maybe not disappear, but just get lost in the shuffle. He doesn't know how to kind of uh, exert himself onto the court, exert himself into the game. I think he lets the game come to him. But if you if you get in a guy like that, especially if you're the Hornets, you kind of want a guy that makes his presence known on the court a little more often or just knows kind of when to turn it on. I think he naturally is just able to, like, get blocks and rebounds and things like that. That's off pure talent. But I feel like he – I wouldn't say struggle, but it's just he's having a hard time to find – Okay, this is my time where I need to, you know, come up with the big play or something like that. It just the game naturally comes to him, but sometimes you want guys to kind of take that initiative, and I don't think he does. But he also doesn't have to. That team's really good, very well coached. 
So he doesn't have to. That's one of the things we were kind of talking about earlier is that college is a weird thing where sometimes you never had to do that in college, you know? So that's something I would see from, I would want to see from him, but I don't really think that's a knock from on him. Coleman Hawkins actually is a someone I'm not that high on. I'm really not that high on Coleman Hawkins. I, I don't really know why. It's just when I watch him, nothing sticks. Now, I don't think he's going to be a bad player. I think he obviously should be. I think he I think he deserves a first-round pick. It's just nothing sticks out to me where it's like, I got to have that guy. Or if someone drafts him. Now, I say that every year about a lot of different players. But if someone drafts him, I don't think there's going to be a team where I'm like, oh, wow, they really got somebody there. But that could change. You know, based on the team that drafts him, you know, so like uh, Christian Braun from uh, for, for the Nuggets, I really had didn't have too much feeling about him either or. But when he got drafted by the Nuggets, I was like, that's actually a really good pickup for them. And then now we're hearing news that they're preferring him over Bones. Now, I think I think we're hearing that more so they're saying that it's more of a off the court issue with Bones than than on. But still actually too, they don't want to pay right. long term. For sure. So, yeah, it does. I really like Bones. But, yeah, it's just – so I say that every year. So, Coleman Hawkins would be a guy that if he goes to the right team, it could change my mind. Um, and then who was the who was the third one? I forgot. Ty, it was Tyrese. TJD. Trace Jackson Davis. TJD. He's – I like him. Uh, I think that in the game against North Carolina, he played very he played very well. They couldn't really stop him. Um, and I think that, you know, in other games I've seen, he's played, he's played pretty decent. But I, he's also someone – Actually, I'd say I'm higher on him than Coleman Hawkins. Uh, but I, As most people probably him. are. I'm, I'm yeah. taking into consideration that there are things that he's just not allowed. You mentioned the archaic offenses of college basketball earlier. Mm-hmm. Mike Woodson, even though he's been there two, three years, doesn't matter. Indiana's offense has been ugly and old for 15, 20 years. doesn't matter <laughs> right. who's there. Tom Crean doesn't matter. Drace Jackson Davis, there are things that I like about him that Coleman Hawkins is doing better, i.e. shooting mm-hmm. the ball. Um, obviously, yeah. you, you're not going to get much much better of a rebounder in the country other than Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I don't think either of them are great pick-and-roll guys with the ball in their hands or without yeah. the ball in their hands, which mm-hmm. is why Coleman Hawkins I don't think is a perfect fit for the Hornets because of I think he needs to be effective and utilize the pick-and-roll properly when you have such a good passer in LaMelo. Um, I don't think any of those guys are bad choices. I think you were right in saying out front, though. I think Clowney's the best option, and I just want to be clear that Coleman Hawkins, I'm with you. I watch, I have him at 27, and I still feel the same way. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he's done. All right, this game he did that that one thing that I was okay. You know, he's not doing that mistake this time. He's right. doing, I feel like I'm nitpicking him, and I and I do feel like I have I have him higher than most, and I just. We don't know if Trace Jackson Davis can shoot. I can watch him in warm-ups all the time. I see videos from Indiana all the time. Mm-hmm. He's putting up six, seven, eight, ten threes in a row in practice or in you know warm-ups. And I'm like, hey, let him shoot the ball. They are missing mm-hmm. their lead guard. Let him be more fun. Pass out of the post. Shoot better. I don't know. I'm just that was a small rant. But finish your point about Trace Jackson Davis. Oh, I mean, no, I agree. I, that he's one where I see the talent. It's just he doesn't show it. He doesn't get the, the opportunity to show it a lot. Um, and it's, and it's weird. I, it's another thing about college basketball is that so this is, I guess, maybe off topic, but so many teams are in, in the tournament, right? So a lot, everybody's thinking, okay, we need to make the tournament. That's like your goal is to make the tournament and then you figure out the rest later. I feel like that that's what stops a lot of players, a lot of coaches from having players do certain things is that we're too busy trying to worry about making it into the tournament. And Indiana, this is a year for them to actually do something in the tournament. They're a pretty good team. But it's just, I feel like that holds them back. And, you know, in the NBA, it's a little different. 
30, you got what, 30 teams, 16 teams make it. So 14 teams know really pretty quickly. Well, I guess the play in, but 14 teams usually know, like, I know what you mean. All right, <laughs> our season's over. Let's, let's just let these guys play. So in college, that, that threshold is much deeper into the season. So they're just, just, you should win every game, but it's just they try to, okay, this is what works. This is what we practice all summer. This is what we're going to do. I feel like in, in college basketball, there's so against adjustment, and that's why sometimes players develop jump shots, and we never even know until they make it to the NBA or maybe even summer league You know because what? everybody's so into, like, this is what we did all year. It, like, Purdue, that's, that's a team. I actually really like Purdue, like, as far as, like, college basketball goes. Yep. Zach Eady, I think, can actually be in the NBA. I don't know what his role will be, but I think he does have value in the NBA. But anyway, that's a team where if you watch them play, they're a different team almost every game. Whoever they're playing, they try to stop that team's strengths. Whatever team, they're, they're a very super well-coached team. A lot of teams don't take that approach. It's this is what we've been doing since day one. We're going to continue to do it. So a lot of players, I think, fall victim to that, in my opinion. I like uh... – so we can get to the fifties and forties picks here. So I like the point about like the, you know, you basically used the Indiana example, but I like the point about how sometimes like making the tournament, that's the focus, not getting to see guys develop. It's almost mm-hmm. like we should hold ourselves accountable in this conversation, how we literally were like, you know what? I don't know if we like overtime elite in, in the G league, but then it's like, it's they don't have that problem, right? They have the opportunity it's to true. fully develop, which is why I think the G league is so beautiful, which is why I think mm-hmm. we're seeing these, Leonard Miller last year not be really good and all of a sudden have you know he's starting to look good again. So two way street, I think that conversation is honestly a whole podcast by itself of like <laughs> comparing the three and figuring out whatever, right? right? There's a big deep dive there. But um one more name I'll throw at you in the twenty nines okay. uh, that I want you to explore if you haven't is how much obviously he just got re- uh, back from an injury in the NBL, but how much Ryan repaired's uh film have you been watching? Ryan uh, I watched Ryan a lot repaired. early. I have not early. watched a lot yeah. recently. Um, I, for I what the Hornets need and want, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm that that hundred percent true. Like, I like what he does. I think um, I actually I want to say his mom liked my tweet or maybe his sister. I was saying something good about him, and the only reason it stuck out is because it said repaired. And I was like, well, there's literally there's a, it's like a cousin or something at least. And then I looked, and then she was like, mother of two. Be- it was definitely his mom. She was like, mother of two beautiful children. And it was nice. him and his sister, but. Uh, I like I like his game. I think that he's uh, and it's really tough. I'm actually I'm actually really biased towards foreign players because I just love how they play, and but sometimes it doesn't translate to the NBA with all the athleticism. But I just like how a lot of foreign players just handle themselves on the court. They just know what they need to do. I like how mental the game is for them, and he's one of those guys. His shot does need to come, a, a, you know. It needs to come a long way. But what I do like about him, and I'm glad you mentioned him before the Charlotte Hornets, is that he's a wing. And that's something that I've really been struggling to find for the Hornets as we've been talking about the draft and the picks and whatnot. I've really been struggling to find, like, that wing. Because, like, let's just throw in Bryce Sensabaugh. He's 6'6", should be a wing. But he really almost reminds me of, like, this is very vague, you know. But he really reminds me almost LaMelo. I'm not LaMelo. Carmelo when he was with the Knicks. Like, that power forward type oh i'm gonna do, you know do spin around jumpers and things like that i'm not really a wing but you know i could be so that's what Bryce. even though he's you know a lot shorter than you would want him to be considering to put him in that position but he's not really a wing ryan repair is a definite wing he's also a guy that can handle the ball so if we're not getting jhs as you mentioned because he could be gone ryan repair will be another one that you could have have the ball and handle the ball he's not going to be you know this amazing lead guard but it's sufficient enough and also 
you'd be more willing to have someone like him come off the bench, especially in an early year. He does He's not a guy that I feel like commands starter minutes. So that would be a really good guy to come off the bench that he can be your kind of guard to kind of hold it down for a little bit. But he also, if you need him to, to be your wing defender. Um, and that's which we don't have much of uh, in Charlotte. So. Yeah, I think uh, he'll be fun to kind of monitor this clip because what we can do is realize that he's probably going to have a good season to end the NBL season here, and then right. he's probably going to get considered in that late lottery range. So mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, that might have been completely precarious and it won't matter in three months, but <laughs> it's okay. I think he is good, and if he's there, you absolutely should take him. So mm-hmm. for the sake of time and for the sake of there's so many guys we could talk about in the 40s, late 40s, early 50s, you guys have 46, 49, and 52. Uh, we could rapid fire these a little bit. Who would you since they're all basically the same pick in that range. Right. Um, who is three guys at that point, you can call them sleepers if you would like. At that point, you can call them just your guys, whatever at that mm-hmm. point. Um, who are three people you would take in those positions? Uh, Trevon Brazil from Arkansas. I love him. He just Despite the injury, injury, right? Despite the, the injury. Despite the injury. I mean, I would still take him. Um, who else? For the sake of context, I'm at 49. So that's, I mean, okay. I'm taking consideration a lot of things. He'd probably be late lottery, and you guys have the 49th pick. So, perfect. I'm just giving okay. you context for where I'm I I'm going to go with him. another Arkansas player. I love um, it. I can't think of his name. Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh. I really like Jordan. He, offense, leaves a lot to be desired. He's more of a just, I'm just going to dunk. I'm going to bully. But yeah. then, that's what he did in high school. Got to college. It's a little harder to bully some of these guys. So, he, he struggled a little bit. But on defense, I forgot what game it was. But he he locked somebody down. I wish I could remember. But he's a he's a very good defender. He knows how to move his feet. He plays with intensity, and that's something that the Charlotte Hornets are desperately lacking is just intensity from anybody. I think Dennis Smith Jr. was the only one who was providing that, and he got injured, and kind of it kind of hasn't been the same for him since. But definitely, he just brings intensity into his game. Period. So that's enough for me to want to draft him. I know that could be late for some people because I know at the beginning of the season he was kind of seen as a first round pick. But I think everybody at Arkansas was seen as a first round pick mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year because they were just so talented. And another one, I would go. Let's say while you're thinking about it, I have Walsh, oh, just for man. fun. I have Walsh at 55. He was one of the biggest. He was okay, the biggest so faller. That... He was the biggest faller in the last 30 days. Really? Because a lot of things. I believe it. I mean, I get it. It's just frustrating because yeah, I want to see him come it. around faster, but it's just I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I have a whole thing I want to do on him soon, and I want to see I want to see how the next couple of months with Nick Smith not being there happens, mm-hmm. and I, I'm wanting to see the offensive game kind of come. Together. Yeah, and that's another one that we haven't even mentioned Nick Smith Junior. But um, Hornets don't have a pick where I have him valued and where you probably have him valued now. So we'll see. I mean, four and then a big gap to twenty nine. If we're talking <laughs> mid lottery, that's a different story. But you know, yeah. we'll see. He's. He, he, he didn't show much when he got to play. I mean, he yeah. was okay. But he he just, tweeted like four days ago, like, keep the same energy. This morning, actually, I think it was. He was like, keep the same energy whenever. But it's like uh, you weren't good. <laughs> like, you know. I flashes. mean, I know he's good, but just like in the game. like it just. But anyway, let's. Flashes. So, let's go with Coleman Hawkins' teammate. Terrence Shannon Jr. Oh, my God. I thought you were about to say Coleman Hawkins. I'm like, wait a minute. What? Hold on. No, That's no, no, no. 40 His spots teammate. lower. No. Uh, I love it. Teammate. Uh, okay. Oh, tell me why. This is the first time I've talked about him publicly. So tell me, tell me why I would take really? Terrence Shannon. Yeah, I'm I, the inconsistencies. He started off. He started off strong. I very will, inconsistent. He's very inconsistent. Uh, yes, yes. If you but at that range, pull up that's a what dictionary you're right now, and you look up the word inconsistency, <laughs> the old joke is like his photo would be right there. And I, <laughs> I just don't know what NBA team's going to give him that kind of leash, especially drafted in that range. And I'm. Mm-hmm. 
I'm okay with some of the things that he brings offensively, but I think at his age and his development cycle, I don't know what I'm getting other than a guy that's going to be offensively impactful without the ball, which is not hard, not easy to do in the NBA. It's different when you're the second best player or best player on a college that's team. True. There's a big jump. I think he's one of those guys that gets a big reality check in the NBA. Go ahead. I I'd like to hear more positive. Is, I'd like to hear something nicer good. about him. Sorry. Well, it's a lot. A lot of it is just like what he could do offensively. Like you said, it's very, it's very one dimensional. But um, I feel like the Hornets need it. This is more so like just basing it off what what's on the roster. You would have to assume Kelly Oubre is not there. Um, not going to be there. Gordon Hayward is just only he'll be on a one year. I, he's going to be there, but I, I, he's going to be have one year left. You don't really have anybody that could do what he does, even though as one dimensional as he is. There's not anyone else on the roster that can do it. We haven't seen enough of Bryce McGowan's, even though I'm a big believer in Bryce McGowan's. I have no idea what the heck is going on with James Booknight, so that's can't even mention that. So it's just like that's why I picked him. Um, another guy, another guy who's actually extremely con- inconsistent is uh, the guy from Creighton, Arthur Kaluma. He's Kaluma. extremely inconsistent, but he has a wide. He can do a lot. He's not one dimensional. Well, he plays one dimensional, but his skill set isn't one dimensional. So he he does like the same thing over and over again. But you, I've seen him times where he, when he actually attacks the basket like he's supposed to, he's actually a pretty good finisher. A lot of times I've seen him, she settles, especially in the mid range, especially in the three point line. Big time, he settles a lot. Um, I think he 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 has times where he locks up, but he also has times where he just doesn't play defense. That's another thing you got to think about with him. But I'm willing to take that risk because he's shown that he can lock up. And his defensive lapses aren't that he doesn't know what he's doing. It's just I think he doesn't care or he doesn't – that's not really what he wants to do. And that's as bad as that sounds, and it's like, oh, what are you going to – you know, draft a lot of guys who care. Because I'm really big into that. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves with the Hornets is that a lot of times they just act like they don't want to play. Uh, but Arthur Kaluma, I feel like he's shown that he can do it if we get the right coach because I don't think Steve Clifford's going to be there next year. But if we get the right coach – that I feel like is what's going to help propel him to be a better defender because he's shown that he can do it. And then also the Hornets need a finisher. He's really good at finishing. They just got to get him out of settling. So I know it's a lot of kind of helping him get to a certain spot. And I mentioned earlier with Jarrett Walker that the Hornets are not good at that, but at that range, you got to take what you can get. And then when he's on his game, a lot of people had him in the first round. So if you're getting him at 49, I think we said, or 48, somewhere around there. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with that. So that those are just some guys that I guess I, I was cheating because those are guys who probably were first round picks at the beginning of the year and now they're like second round picks. But, that's, but that's they, okay. they have the talent. Right. But they just it, it, it's just, you know, it doesn't it, it hadn't worked out for them. And then Creighton as a whole, their whole team, very talented team, just can't seem to put it together. So they were really good at the beginning of the season, fell off a cliff, you know, yeah, going into now. They were 0 and six without uh their big man uh Colt Renner. So it was kind of like a He's good Kaluma, too. I like forcing him. Kaluma to do other things and it didn't work. Funny you say Kaluma. I have him at forty six. I have Shannon at forty seven. So, um, literally, the difference oh, okay. is the <laughs> difference is the difference is the defensive ability. I'm with you there. Um, there's a couple mm-hmm. others that are in fun in that range. Julian Strother obviously just had a forty piece plus. I think it was forty something mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. for Gonzaga. I think there's a lot of versatile wing. I, it's it's just funny. I don't want to create this logjam for the Hornets. I don't want to sit here and be like like I'd love if if Derek Lively just falls that far, which will not happen. Oh my clear. god! Now if he falls would, that far, I now granted forty. 46 would be the lowest, I mean, God forbid, right? And then 49 to 52. Right. So at that point, you're just picking straws like you were with McGowan's. I like Julian Phillips there, but if you're trying to get a guy, like everyone knows every year, someone's falling. Okay, it is what it is. Last year, it was, mm-hmm. I thought it was Bryce McGowan's. I'm with you. Uh, I was, was all yeah, in those same ranges. Too. I had him as a, I think I had him at, 
I think I finished the year with him at 27. So that was, you know, pretty high for where he should have ended up being drafted. Um, the question I want to end with before we do, every guest gets to go out the door and say, this is, you know, for context of when this was heard, obviously the date will be on the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Every uh, pick gets to give their NBA title pick out of East and West, obviously to make it and win, and then mm-hmm. uh national title pick. So before we do that, if you'd like to share this now, this would be great. Assuming Victor happens and 100% is a generational prospect and assuming Scoot Henderson mm-hmm is somewhat of the same thing. He's the best guard prospect I've ever seen since John Wall. I got to watch John Wall mm-hmm. live because he's from Raleigh, which is really cool. So just throwing that out there with Scoot. Mm-hmm. If those two work out like they're just probably going to do, who is your guy that you are 100% taking to the grave that will work out in the NBA in this class? If you would like to put that out there now. Oh, this is this is fun. I don't think I've ever done this. Give me... To give you context, every every year everyone has a guy. They might not just say it. Last year, I was very clear with you. Mark Williams was my guy. He's going to work out. I'm not saying he's NBA star. How you interpret this question is completely up to you. I think Mark Williams is going to play in the NBA for many years because he's a good player. Obviously, he's not going to be a star. But, yes, that is my context Mm -hmm. of last year's guy. Jonathan Kaminga was my guy the year before that. I am not Mm -hmm. out. I think he's going to turn out well. Who is this year's? Darian Thomas's guy that will 100% you'll go to bat for and he will work out no matter what happens to him. Who am I going to bat for? It's got to be Cam Whitmore. I think it's really got to – I'm looking. It's got to be Cam Whitmore. I like it. Cam Whitmore, what I liked about him and what I knew that like – one, when he played for like – I think it was like the under-18 USA team, he just dogged everybody like (laughs) three points because the thing was he can't shoot. He's shooting over everybody. He, you know, he doesn't, you know, he he doesn't play defense, locking up players. Now, granted, it's other, you know, places, but still. And then what I like about him also is that injured, and we know that, like, injuries in college really play, like, a huge part in how a lot of players just approach the season. Like, for example, what was it, uh, Michael Porter Jr., his injury. Granted, he was, like, a chronic injury, but he couldn't come, like, he couldn't come back. Everybody was just basing off what they, you know, pictured him to be. And, I mean, he's still dealing with those injuries, but he's showing he's a really good player. I, Ken Whitmore came out the gate as if he was just never injured. Like he, and that's the type of mentality anybody would want, not just the Charlotte Hornets. He just came out as if he never was injured. He just came back and played like it was the first game of the season. And he continues to play that way. He plays, he plays with intensity. He plays quick. He plays fast. He's extremely talented. I know the shot does need to come around. I'm just because I did mention that earlier. He was shooting over people, but we know for some reason when players play like in little tournaments like that, they all of a sudden are a new player for some reason. But uh, I feel like the shot will come around. I think he's a just a smart player. He, like I say, he plays with aggression, and also he doesn't he doesn't shy for the moment. And I think that that's something that Victor Mwemanyan and Scoot Henderson do. I'm not saying he's on that tier; they're on separate tiers. But that mentality, obviously, it plays a part with a lot of good players in history, not just this draft class. So I, I really like Ken Whitmore and what he can do. Um, I do want to see just what the what the ball handling because I do want to see him be a little bit of, of a ball handler, especially considering he's going to play that wing. He's because he's not he's not a, he's not that uh, big man pseudo big man like we were talking about earlier, like with Brandon Miller and stuff. He's literally more so of a wing. He's just that size of like a Brandon Miller. But I do want to see him get better at ball handling, get better at shooting. But just the tenacity he plays with and just his ability, you can see it as soon as you turn on the game, is that he's just going to be a special player. So that's the guy I will bat for. I don't care if it's year 10 in the league and he looks like Randy Foy, of all people. I'm going to bat for Cam Whitmore and be like, one day 
he will be great. And I'll, I'll always do that. I love it. I love the passion. I could tell you actually thought that it was a, it was a nice <laughs> roller coaster. We ended up with, I don't care if he's Randy Foy, uh, <laughs> shout out Randy Foy, but uh, I, my thing with Cam Whitmore, and we can get closed up here, is I think he's Paul George waiting to happen. All of the same things mm-hmm. you told me was all the same question marks people had about Paul George. The dribbling, is it going to come around? Obviously, he ended up being a guy with really good touch. Obviously, a lot of injuries ended up rattling his you know explosive ability, which came up more in college, same thing. I'm just seeing this perfectly carved path for Paul George, which means he's probably not going to be Paul George. But the point is, is he's like perfectly falling into that, and I'm excited to see how that develops, mm-hmm. which is every reason why I have him at number three. Um. No context whatsoever because it makes it more fun when I clip it and send it to you in three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eastern Conference uh, champion, obviously the guy that's making the finals in the East, or a team that's making the finals in the West, who wins it, and then national title pick, and then we'll get out of here, plug after that. Okay, so on the East, it hurts me to say this because I don't like any teams from this city, uh, but the Boston Celtics, I think they're probably going to come out the East. I don't like any Boston team. One, I'm a Yankee fan, so the Red Sox are out. Two, I never liked Tom Brady. I will always, now that he's retired, I can say that he's literally the best quarterback ever. Just never liked him. I, and I that, but I can say that he's the best quarterback ever now that he's gone. Um, but yeah, I think Boston's just they're so talented. I feel like they're still hungry for more players. Uh, you got Malcolm Brogdon, you got Marcus Smart, you got all these guys. I don't have to list the roster, but I feel like they're still out there looking. That's the sign of a good team. You're, you see how dominant your team is, and they're still like, what can we do to get better? Because they're thinking Boston is in a position where we're thinking nine, ten guys off the bench. We're not thinking who's our sixth man, who's our seventh man. So sign of a good team. The West is a little more tricky. It's a, actually a lot more trickier. Uh, for the West, I don't really know. It's hard to believe in the Grizzlies as far as going winning the West. It's, it's tough, like talent-wise, but just like are they ready? That's kind of where because we've seen that like they get shaken up really easily. Like, like I know people joke, but after that, John Moran was, I'm not worried about anybody in the West. They lost like every game they played against Western opponents. So, and that might not be true now, but at that time when I saw it. So out the West, I, and it is it's really hard to bet against the Warriors. Is it we're gonna go Warriors? Is it's one of those things, as I mentioned, Tom Brady where you bet against him, that's when he does his best. That's what I'm going to just say to Warriors for just the sake of this would just, of course, this is the perfect season for the Warriors to win. They don't look like they're going to be they're winning, but then they turn it up in the playoffs and they end up winning. And it's that, I, I think that's the best bet. I think that's my best bet. I would, I would really like for it to be Denver. They just, their bench scares me. When Jokic is not on the floor, it's terrible. It's horrendous. Um, so that that worries me, but like just their starters, if they can stay healthy, it's hard to stop them with that offensive firepower they have. So I would like for it to be Denver, but I think I'm going Warriors. Okay, who wins national title pick and go ahead and plug away? Uh, Boston, I think Boston's gonna win it this time. I think, I think, I know I said you can't bet against the Warriors, but Boston, they just look hungry. Uh, the thing, I guess, the one thing you would have to worry about is for a young team like that, even though they do have their share of veterans. Can they keep that hunger all the way through? So far, they've been doing a good job, but we know all-star break plays a part in that. Trade deadline plays a part in that. Uh, Going against the first round against an easy opponent plays a part in that where you go in with so much momentum and then you play someone that you sweep in four games. How do you keep that intensity all the way through? That's something you have to concern about them, but I I think they'll do it. They they seem like they're hungry. And so national pick, uh, national championship for the college? Let's see. Oh, um. And I, I want to go Houston. 
I really like nice. Houston. I like how they play. Uh, their coach does a really good job of just making sure those guys show up with their lunch pail, ready to play ball. Um, I, I think I think I'm gonna go Houston. I know it's not the best pick. I know there's other teams like Purdue is an easy pick to make, but I, I just like Houston. I like their. They just have a lot of players that can do a lot of different things, and that's kind of what you need, especially when the line the lineup shortened because the lineups same way in the NBA in college the lineup shortened when they get to the uh, tournament. But I think the, all those guys they they're hungry and they want to win. Uh, I mean that's why I got you have guys like Marcus Sasser, um, and then the other guard I can't remember his name, but he's an excellent defensive guard. Uh, the, he's he's short. I feel like that's the only reason he's not really getting Terrence, that much draft. Him Arsenal? too, yeah. but the other one I can't remember his name. I, I really wish I could remember. Oh, man, it's gonna bother me because I really like this guy. But he's an excellent guard. He's just short. He plays amazing defense. He's just six one, so you really can't. Um, and he's not that good offensively, so that hurts him. But but Terrence is another good one to come off the bench. I mean, he's the guy that's a little inconsistent, but he's shown that he can do it all. Um, he can score in bunches when you know given an opportunity. He can play pretty good defense. And then you have Jairus Walker as well that we mentioned earlier. So I think I'm going Houston. Yeah, this is I'm, the year for them after losing. It's in their what, city, and if team? and if the Super Bowl the last two years have taught us anything, the <laughs> Bucks made the Super Bowl in 2020. It was their home stadium. The Rams made the Super Bowl in 2021. It's their home stadium. I, why not have the final four in Houston and Houston makes it. I'm also going to be there. So I kind of want to see them there. Um, so I'm going to go just to always throw it out there too, at the end, just to make sure my predictions are consistent. Um, as of right now, it has not changed for a month. I have Denver, Boston, Boston winning, and I have Houston winning the national title as well. Okay. Um, all of your stuff will be linked below as well, but go ahead and let listeners know where they can find you. Subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, it also Twitter will be on the screen as well as everything in the description below. Plug away. First of all, me. I want to say thank you for just having me. I love talking basketball with you. It's nice to talk about college basketball with a lot of people. Nice. A lot of my friends have no interest in college basketball whatsoever, so it's good to have Shame this conversation them. with you. I know, right? You're missing out. But uh, you can find me on Trust the Buzz. Um, on YouTube, uh, I just I used to make daily videos, but I'm moving, so it's a little hard. But uh, I make a lot of videos about the Charlotte Hornets. I talk about everything from trades and uh, and then just to my opinions on how the team's playing. Um, also, you can find me at Draft Nerds on YouTube. Uh, basically, I just talk about the NBA draft. I talk about also college basketball teams. I know a lot of people like they don't like when just you pick players on their team and don't talk about the team. So I try to talk about the teams as well. Um, also, you can find me at Truz. Buzz on Twitter. Um, I got that. Uh, yeah, I just talk about the Charlotte Hornets. I talk about anything that I'm really interested in, but I like to talk about the Charlotte Hornets to talk about the direction they're going. And I think that's it. I don't. I would say plug my uh, Draft Nerds Twitter, but I don't. I don't tweet on it enough. I end up just using my main account. So then it's like, what is this for? But I'll try to use it more. So if you want to follow me on that, it's NBA Draft Nerds on Twitter as well. So thank you so much for having me, and I'm I'm glad just to be here and talk hoops. Yeah, I'm glad it was actually – we were actually able to talk basketball for once because last time it was trivia, so I'm really glad to have <laughs> you back. Um, always welcome here, so thank you for the plugs. Um, we'll go ahead and get closed up here. Uh, don't forget to give all of his stuff a support uh, below. Everything will be linked, Draft Nerds, Trust the Buzz, YouTube, all that stuff below, um, as well as don't forget uh, two-pointers on every major social media platform. Um, w Energy, 10% off your order at WEnergy.com or link in the description below. It takes you right to the site to buy. Um I think that's it. I always hate doing my generic intro or outro at the end, but um, <laughs> this has been the Two Pointers Podcast. On behalf of Darian, my wife did draw this photo, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. We'll see you later. I appreciate that. <laughs>